0: Welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, I have Steve Wasik, founder of InfoSentience. InfoSentience is an automation company that uses artificial intelligence to enhance and enable data analytics and communication on the markets. And with that, here's my interview with Steve. Steve, thanks for taking the time today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Jason. Thanks so much for having me.
0: So Steve, my pleasure. Steve Wasik, founder of InfoSentience. Tell us about InfoSentience.
1: So the elevator pitch is basically that we've created software that can analyze any data set, figure out what's important about that data, and then communicate it just like a good human analyst would do or journalist, right? So it's so obviously we're going to be focusing on finance today, but one of our key products is is in the sports space that people might know, know us from, like we do fantasy sports reports for CBS sports and also cover the NBA, NFL, things like that. But basically... The idea is that if you can have a human being look at a set of data and figure out what's important to talk about, then our system can do that same thing, except that it can do it at scale and, you know, with perfect accuracy and with a lot of flexibility on how how it's delivered and almost instantaneous. So sort of all of the benefits of a computer while also having all the benefits of insightful human intelligence.
0: Excellent. So we're going to dive into how you accomplished that, because it's a lot. But talk to me about the origin of the company. How did it come to be?
1: A little bit of a weird story, I would say. I was actually in my third year of law school, and I just had this idea for a fantasy sports-related product, because I was in a fantasy league, and I was really busy, and I barely even knew what was going on in my own for my own team, let alone like what was happening in the league. And I thought, man, it would be really interesting if this league, my personal league, was covered the same way that the NFL was covered, right? Where you have all these stories and headlines and pictures and the interesting things that happened and you know all the little quirks of the game and, and what stupid coaching decisions somebody made or great decisions somebody made. And so I had this pretty narrow idea about creating coverage around a fantasy sports league. And I started to work on it. And as I worked on it and, and dealt with a lot of the sort of technical challenges, which we might talk about later, and and worked through those challenges. I started to realize, hey, this is actually a system that could be used in a lot of other for a, for a lot of other use cases, right? And so that's when I decided to take a chance and start the company, which I did right after I graduated. And you know that was all the way back in 2012. So we've been in this space for for 11 years. Uh, we we were doing generative AI before it was cool, I like to say. And but yeah, that's that's how it started. And then you know we were fortunate to get CBS as a customer pretty early, and then. And they've kind of kept the lights on as we've really spent the vast majority of our time over those 11 years working on the, the technology. Okay, great. So let's
0: talk about what how it works effectively. Yeah. So where are you taking data from? What are you looking for? What is the system looking for? What is it spitting out? Give me that kind of like high level overview.
1: Yeah. So the data can come from anywhere really. And this is one thing we really pride ourselves with, with clients is that typically they have a lot of different data silos and they have a lot of different formatting and sometimes the data is incomplete all of that our system can deal with all that very flexibly and so we we take in data sort of from anywhere we put it into a what we call a conceptual ontology so that's just basically a way of relating all of the concepts in the data to each other right what what's most important like what is what is sort of a subset of something else right like all these things that human beings are very very good at doing Right, which is understanding how everything fits together, we try to model that same, that same understanding into our, our software system. And then once we crunch the numbers, we can output that into a narrative that reads like it was written by a human being. And that's actually really important because when we talk about what good writing is, Sometimes people maybe dismiss it a little bit as kind of, oh, it's just a, sort of like an aesthetic thing, right? Or it's just like slightly easier to read. But what good writing really is, is it's about allowing you to focus on the analysis of the information, right? And not have to focus on what it is that you're trying to read. You know what I mean? Like if a narrative is, is allowing you to go from sort of the main point to context, right? To the implications of that right? If you're reading something that's really well written like that, you're very easily ingesting the actual information and you can focus your brain power on what do I do with this information, right? Like that's what good report writing is all about. And so having a system that can do that, right? That can really clearly organize information that can surface the most important pieces of information, right? So that you're not reading things where it's like, why this is irrelevant, right? Like if you come across something in a narrative that, that's irrelevant, essentially your brain has to stop and figure out, wait, why am I reading this? And then it has to take a beat and say, oh, I shouldn't be reading this. It's not important, right? And then throw it away, right? That's a, the idea of like, if, you, if you're if you reading something that's just robotic or not written well, you have to take all these breaks to figure out what the heck is, why well, was this here, right?
0: information to what it's you're actually plus information read. or just yeah.
1: doesn't make sense or yeah. So if you have good writing, though, then it's the exact opposite, right? Where it's like, wow, I didn't know that. And what do I do with this? You know, now that I know this piece of information, right? And our system, which, which uses, it doesn't use templates. Let's be very clear on that. Because some of our competitors do that. And it also doesn't use LLMs like ChatGPT. It uses uh, what we call conceptual automata, which is, I, I think I told you, the first step of our data process is turning all this stuff into sort of a, a system of concepts where they all relate to each other. And we then put intelligence onto those individual concepts so that when they combine, we can understand as things combine into larger objects, we can understand all the subcomponents and how they relate to each other. And I'll give you like a very quick example from like the world of sports. You can have a concept of a team, right? And have a lot of intelligence on that. And you can have the idea of a team winning a game, right? So we have a, that concept. Then we can have a concept of a streak, right? Which can be... It could be about sports or it could be about a stop, right? It's just something that's happening over time. The same event keeps happening over time. Well, if you put together a team and a streak and team one game, then you have this larger concept team on a winning streak, right? And that might be combined with something else, right? Like, Hey, this team comes into the game on a winning streak. And this other team comes into the game on a losing streak. Right. And that becomes a sentence in, in a sports story. Right. But those are, the elements of that, even just that one sentence, you know, that you would write about like, Hey, this team's on a winning streak. This team's on a losing streak. There's a ton of elements in that sentence as, as a human being, again, our superpower is like this conceptual understanding and understanding that those two, two things are related. And one of them is good. And one of them is bad, but they're like sort of the same thing, just sort of the opposite. Right. If you, if you're trying to create a narrative, that's not a template, right. That's not just like, robotic, here's what we're going to talk about. If you have a system that can actually integrate all sorts of different stories in different places, you have to be able to understand how they fit together. You have to have really good intelligence. Otherwise they're going to start stepping on each other. They're going to be repetitive. It's going to sound really weird. And so our system is able to, by putting like the intelligence on the smallest possible components as things self-assemble into, into let's say what a sentence is and then what a paragraph is, then what a full article is, it can make sure that it's still talking about these things in, in ways that make sense. Right. And that's really critical because if you use a template, right. Where you don't have to worry about these problems, right. Cause you know, like I'm going to put this thing in the first spot and then this thing in the second spot and this thing in the third spot, it gets rid of all these issues of like, I need to know how they relate to each other. Forget it. You've already set that up at the beginning. Right. But then the problem is that you're always going to talk about the same things. Right. And as a reader, you're going to be, Anybody who's reading a, a piece of content like that pretty quickly catches on to the fact that like, Hey, you're just always telling me the same basic stories, right? You're not telling me about like the interesting context about, Oh, this was actually the biggest increase since, you know, April 5th or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or like, Hey, this, this 4% decrease has to be seen in light of our company's 6% decrease overall, right? You know, all these things that are, that are that actually actually
0: adds color to as opposed to being superfluous essentially.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so again, you have to have the flexibility of allowing the system to say, look, just find the most interesting things and put it in the article in order to get the best content. But then if you're going to do that, if you're going to allow that flexibility, you have to have intelligence so that you can organize that information in a way that, that makes sense to the reader.
0: Excellent. So a couple of things, I mean, you covered a lot, but a couple of things really came to mind. First off, uh, I smirked for quite a while. Then we talked about super, we talked about superfluous information and how, why am I reading this? Because is it really adding anything to this? Currently reading uh, Lord of the Rings to my son, and don't get me wrong, Tolkien's a great writer, but when he goes on about wind blowing through grass for three pages, he, the man needed a netter, let's be honest, okay? Uh, yeah. So it is what it is, but you're absolutely right. It's like, you know, if it's not, especially in stuff that's meant to be more, I won't say practical, but more to the point right? Like I'm trying to learn something quickly here. I'm not here for entertainment. That extra kind of color just just takes away from people's focus. And that that's regardless of our diminishing time for the pay attention. Now, going back to your kind of contextual or what was the term you used for the automation again? It was... Uh, uh,
1: conceptual automata.
0: Conceptual automata, right? So... I'm curious as to how you're accomplishing this. Like, is this basically a bunch of rules-based type of artificial intelligence, or are you using some sort of neural network on this? Like, how is it you're actually technically accomplishing this?
1: Yeah, it is a rules-based system at at the fundamental level, but, you know, that doesn't, uh, (laughs) our brain is a rules-based system, right? Like, if you have enough rules and they're sort of distributed, right, such, such that they can talk to each other, you can get pretty complex behavior right, that can come out of that. So, so we don't use like a neural net or anything else. And the, obviously things like ChatGPT are incredibly flexible, right? Certainly more flexible than our system. But the downside is they, they're not very easy to debug, right? Because they're, the amount of parameters that are going into figuring out what word comes next are so high that you can't possibly sort of point to some set and say like, oh, that's why we use this word instead of this other word, right? Whereas our system, it's completely traceable. So if there's... If there's a sentence or a story that appears that you don't want, we can exactly figure out why that happened, right? Because there's no black box. This is yeah. there's no black box, right? So, but again, it's, it's this balance where, yeah, you don't want to have something that's really simple, like a template or even just sort of like a mad Libs plus that has like a few options, right? That's, that's like a simple rules-based system, right? But if you have these conceptual automata that can sort of self-assemble, like based off of their own individual intelligence, you get enough possible interactions that you can, again, find the right story and do it in such a way that. Sounds like you're somewhere in the them. middle, right? Like it's effectively, right? Yes, that's, that's exactly what we, what we try to do. Excellent. Well,
0: which makes sense because you get the strength of both, right? You get the strength of you're not using form templates constantly. Because uh, I've seen cases like that where it's like, oh, this report looks identical. The other report just have different numbers and names, right? Yes, so exactly. You have that. And then the other end of the spectrum, you have, I don't even know how you came up with this, right? Like, right. that's exactly, exactly right. Yeah. How it came up with this. So you have the strength of being able to do the kind of like esoteric, God knows where it came from, thinking of like a large language model or a neural network. But at the same time, you still basically force some guardrails on to some degree and have an audit trail because of basically the scope of what you're doing, which is more narrow in its application than just generalized AI. Is that fair?
1: That's exactly right.
0: Perfect. All right. So let's talk about basically your marketing of this. So who are your users? And yeah. basically, what is the sales pitch you're giving them?
1: So, in the finance space, uh, our, our our biggest client is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. We actually just signed a pretty big deal for them to do something that I'm pretty sure that your listeners have have never seen before, which is create a completely automated website using their commodity data that has like headlines, pictures, graphs, charts, videos, everything like that. Look, it's basically going to look like a Bloomberg or Yahoo Finance, except the whole thing is going to be done through AI and also is going to uh, be updated continually. So like every five, 10 minutes, the entire website completely updates to, to adjust to the market, right? So it's not just that the numbers update, but maybe the entire stories update, right? Like maybe the lead story is something different in 10 minutes time than it was before. And, uh-huh it's, it's kind of an entirely different way of getting financial news because typically, you know, you have a site and it has sort of a crawl and the stories that are on that site might be two, three hours old, right. By the time you read them. And so this is, I think it'd be pretty different. And, and I think people are going to be pretty blown away by, by how uh, sophisticated it is, but we also have, uh, we do sort of uh, stock reports for a company called Scientists.com. We're in the medical space. We do retail marketing reports. CBS, like I said, is one of our our biggest clients that we do a lot of public facing work for. So you know, fantasy sports. If you're if you're a CBS sports uh, fantasy player, you'll you'll be familiar with our product. But we also uh, cover live sports like the like the NBA, NFL, European soccer, like college basketball, like just a lot of sports. We also do that for Max Preps, which is the largest high school sports uh, site in the country. So we have a, a, you know, a lot of different clients and a lot of different verticals. And basically the pitch is part of it is limited by scale. Like we can do anything, but it takes us time to do it. It's again, that's that's one of the downsides compared to Chat GPT, which is sort of generalizable. You just kind of throw stuff in there and it pops out. Ours, you know, we have to model it, right? We have to say, here's what the the concepts are and here's they relate.
0: Yeah. And that's actually, what I was going to go in the next question is that like, so I, I would, because of different verticals, I would assume that you're kind of st- standing up completely separate instances for all of these because the rules are so specific to that vertical that it wouldn't make sense across industry verticals. I mean, there's got to be, there's those core underlying technology and learnings that you get from all of them, but everybody's got to kind of have their own little silo to some degree.
1: Yeah, it's, there's definitely unique aspects to each client, but one of our goals has certainly been to try to synthesize that as much as possible because there's a lot of basic analytic questions that people ask, right? So yeah. there's just like, was this an outlier event? Is this part of a trend? What subcomponents were driving this metric, right? And these are, these are sort of basic analytical questions. And we've tried to set up models that work for that, for that work for all different clients. It can certainly be really difficult because even something where you say, oh, okay, this thing was up, right? Like this metric was up. Well, compared to what? Like compared to yesterday, compared to last month, compare, is this like month over month increase? Is this a year over year increase, right? Like all these, like when you say something's up, even that's very complex sometimes, right? And so, you know, it's been difficult, you know, getting those models to work, but we, I think we're we're in a pretty good place with them right now such that we can much more quickly apply the the basic analytical reasoning that we have to new use cases but then yeah it, just like you said there's always going to be some quirks in terms of even just think like what is the name is this plural is it singular is it things like that are always there and then other things like what is the different interest values of these kpis maybe there's 10 KPIs, but there's two that people really care about and the others are sort of secondary, right? So there's all sorts of things like that that are going to be on a case-by-case basis.
0: Excellent. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is there's more commonalities to how humans think. Humans think. It's just a matter of how it's structured around the different data and, and context, right? So that makes sense. All right. So basically talk to me about, so you go in and you, you pitch these companies. What are, the, what are the net like improvements that they're seeing? What are they coming back with and say, okay, great, you've, you've helped us achieve X levels of efficiencies?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a great question. And again, that varies from different clients, right? So some people, if we're doing work that employees were having to do before, right, where they were having to build the reports, then it's sort of like an hourly savings, right? We're we're saving time. If it's people like CBS, for instance, you know, with fantasy sports, they always look to like the email open rates, which are the highest that they have within the company. The email open rates are between 35 and 40%. And this is for a weekly email. So like every week, they're getting having 35, 40 percent of people read it for somebody like the CME. Context,
0: it's, that is utterly enormous. 35. Yeah, percent. it's crazy oh, because
1: right? but people people want to know, they love the idea that like this report is being written just about them and their actions for fantasy. It's not just like a general here's what happened in fantasy world. It's like here's what happened in your world. And people really respond to that much differently than than a generalized narrative. For the CME, it's you know, it's like page views, right? So And also like sign us. We did something with them before where we were doing sort of like daily reports on different commodity markets and had a lot of people sign up, thousands of people sign up, you know, for these daily reports. And again, they had very high open rates, uh, very high read read rates. So it's different for different folks. I mean, the, the thing that's tricky, you know, certainly in like business intelligence cases, is sometimes hard to sort of put a number on. Oh, hey, I just learned this thing that I didn't know about. So that's tricky. Yeah, some are harder worked.
0: to calculate than others, but the reality is, is that like, what is the, you know, and you just kind of hit a perfect indirect one. You know, what is the ROI on having an open rate of 30 to 40% versus 10, right? Some things can absolutely be measured from day one, like you're converting sales from that one day, right. but the actual, like, you know, assuming that's not a, assuming that that purchase decision might be made three, four years later, right? How do you, how do you model that properly? So mm-hmm. The attention and the engagement is, is definitely a metric that is an it's an ROI of its own. It's just banked. Yeah. Yeah. Good. So, you know, that's where you've gotten the company to date so far. You know, where do you see this going?
1: Well, it can go in a few different directions. I mean, we're, we've, we've got a lot of new clients right now. And so including with some very public facing projects like, like the CME that I mentioned, but there's some other uh, sports stuff that we're doing and uh, marketing stuff. And so, you know, we have to just execute on, on the clients that we have right now. And basically from that point, we'll see. I mean, I think that we, honestly, there's, there's a good chance that we end up getting acquired at that point, if we do a really good job, because our tech, I would say is ahead of our marketing, which I, I hope is, is more of a comment on our tech being good than our marketing being bad. Cause we have, I mean, we have some good clients and we're growing. The opposite grown, is know.
0: far worse. What's that? The opposite is far worse.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, we, we've grown essentially double the business over the last year. And, and so we're doing, we're doing well on that front, but I think that our tech, because it's so content agnostic, I mean, I think that there's some, it would make sense for us to link into a larger firm that has already has a lot of data, right. And rather than us trying to sort of chase the data, we could just integrate into their system. And obviously, this issue period of data analysis, of data synthesis, of things like data fabrics, like how do we integrate all sorts of different data from different silos and different subdivisions and do it in such a way that it's not too rigid, that it stops them from being able to, you know, make changes. All these things like that are are really complicated issues that a lot of large companies are struggling with. And so we do feel like our technology is something that can really help them. And whether that's again, like as a client or potentially being acquired and sort of integrated wholesale into an existing data system, we'll see what that, that is. But uh, that's the hope is either to grow the company, keep, keep adding new verticals, adding new clients, or to be acquired. Perfect.
0: All right. So before we end the interview, there's three blue sky questions I ask everybody on a positive note. The first one is if you had one wish for something you could change in your company, the industry as a whole, what would it be?
1: Uh, (laughs) I would say right now, maybe I'm just overcorrecting because of of what I was dealing with this morning, but I would say just having data be better. I mean, it's just, it's, or even having companies understand what the state of their data is. Cause I think that that's one thing that we struggle with when we onboard a new client is that there's sort of an understanding of, Hey, here's where our data is. And here's the types of reports that we want. And then when we get into it, it's like, well, actually like, it's like this 95% of the time But then 5% of the time, it's like this other thing, right? But that's on maybe one dimension, but then you add a few more dimensions like that. And pretty soon it's like, everything is quirky, you know, at that point. And we have to really have a lot of intelligence put into place in order to handle that. And and thankfully, our system can do it, but it definitely takes a lot more effort. And so I I would say that that would be the one thing that would really help us out, is if we had a really good sense right from the get-go, of, hey, here's where, here's what the data actually looks like. And that would make it a lot easier for us to have, to be able to put together a a sample narrative that's actually like easy for us to hit, as opposed to sometimes us having to really put in a lot of extra effort in order to work around those data issues.
0: Next question for you has been, what's been the biggest challenge in the company to where it is today?
1: It's definitely been on on the technology side of things. I, you know, as I said, we, we've been, we've been in business for 11 years and for most of that time, unfortunately, I was working on sort of the next generation of our technology. We launched back in 2012 and with, and had, I think a pretty good product at the time, I think better than any, anybody else. But then I had this idea for like an improvement, which I thought would take six months and it ended up taking eight years. And for that entire eight years, I thought I was almost done. So that was like a really tough thing to do. So like, yeah. and we had to just like restart from scratch eight different times. Like almost every year it was like, I got, it's almost like being on a tree where you think like, Oh, I'm going towards this spot. I I, I think I'm getting close. If you're falling like a branch, right. And you say, Oh, I'm, I, I need to get to this spot. And then you get to that spot and you're just at the end of a branch. And it's like, man, I can't get any far. Like I've reached the end of this branch. I've got to go all the way back to the trunk of the tree and try a different path to get where I'm going. And so that's just what happened over and over and over again. And that certainly put a crimp in our growth and some other things. And so we've only really been sort of behaving like a real company for like the last like year and a half when we finally had the technology done. And then it's like, okay, we feel really confident taking on new clients and adding new things. And so I would say that that's for sure been the biggest challenge for us. But thankfully, it's behind us. So that's good. Yeah, the uh,
0: it never... <laughs> The old, oh, this will take six months, five years later, that is a common refrain that happens all the time. You know, I've gotten, it's funny, I used to be notorious for saying things like, oh, this should be a simple fix to developers. And oh, they yeah. would look at me in sheer abject horror. And yeah. I've since become far better at that and actually have a decent idea of things that But for a while there. Yeah. Like what looks simple to uh, at first glance often is just a rabbit hole that just never ends. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Last question is of basically what keeps you getting up and out of bed in the morning and keeps you fighting the good fight.
1: I feel like for me, it's just, honestly, at this point, it's momentum, you know, like it's, this has been a long process, right. And we're better off now than we've ever been. And so I want to, I want to sort of complete the marathon at this point. You know what I mean? Like it's been, it's, we're on like, I don't know where we are. Hopefully, Hopefully we're like on mile 23 or mile 24, but it's, it's just been, it's, it's like things have never been better for us in terms of a company we have better clients we have uh, a great team here we have technology that's really good and so now is sort of the time like this is the time to really show people what we've done and show people you know show off our work i mean when you're working on technology and you keep failing and having to restart you're you're just trying to get back to to one to square one right like over and over and over again And you can't really show off any improvement, even if it's almost like you, you built this like amazing foundation that you could put a skyscraper on and you just have to keep rebuilding. It's like, Oh, the foundation's broken. Okay. Let's rebuild the foundation. Let's rebuild the foundation. And finally you have a foundation that's amazing, right? This is a world-class foundation that you could put an unbelievable building on, but there's no building, right? So if you bring people to it and say, look at this amazing thing that I built, fundamentally, they're just going to be like, eh, like this, this doesn't look that great. You know what I mean? And so it's been a lot of foundation building and now we're finally actually building the structure and people are getting to see it and, and it's looking cool. And so it's really about like, let's finish this structure. Let's show off everything that we've done in such a way that people can really take note and see, see just how powerful it is. And so that's, that's kind of the stage that we're at right now. So hopefully we can execute on that. And I think we will.
0: Excellent. So Steve, thank you for taking time today. Very much appreciated.
1: it. Jason, thanks so much for, for having me on the podcast.
0: My pleasure. So that was Steve Wasik of InfoSentience. And if you were in the market for better effective communications that are done without heavy human labor, that is, and greater engagements, I mean, those open rates are bonkers, quite honestly, please take the time to check out InfoSentience. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever is your podcast. Until next time, take care.